Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Before we begin today's interview, it's time for our five-minute segment where we have a quick check-in with some of our favorite writers. And now, five minutes with Brandon T. Snyder. Brandon, talk to us. How was your week? Give us all those updates. Give us some timeless updates. Oh, let's see. What, let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, well, Tuesday, uh, in addition to being a writer, I'm also an actor. So Tuesday, I shot an episode of The Deuce. Nice. I can't, I don't know that I can really talk about what I did, but it was fun. And I, when you see my costume, you'll be like, but in a good way, in an entertaining way. But one of the things that was cool about it is that the director was Roxanne Dawson, who played Belana Torres on Star Trek Voyager. Nice. And she was great to work with. So uh, that was, that, that happened this week. I'm also working on an audiobook for Audible, which has been moving along. Uh, which is really a very cool and very interesting challenge. It's full script. So it is, so I'm learning to, it, you know, I've sort of treated it like a radio play in that there's no narration, there's no, you know, and now this will happen. It's just all, that's my, that's my, actually, people keep being like, are you going to do the voices for it? And I was like, I could, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm like, do I have to audition for something I wrote where I'm like, uh, do, like, do I have to put my own demo together? Like, but it's cool. It's it's for younger listeners. And yeah, it's been a challenge to make sure that I'm not um, over do it, overdoing it with exposition, that everything is very organic and that it's not just, you know, characters describing visuals that we're getting a sense of the way things are shaking out in other ways and also incorporating sound and making sure that, you know, I'm sort of like tapping into all of the good things about that medium. How does that medium differ from, let's say, you know, writing about the Avengers or? Well, you know, if, if I'm writing a book, then I have to, I paint, I paint the picture differently. Whereas with this, you know, I'm painting it with words, but I'm also painting it with sound. So uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm like, that I'm really integrating all of those elements together so that it feels like an immersive world and also one where I'm not exactly having to just tell everybody you know, what things look like. And, you know, I have to find interesting ways to sort of meld exposition in and out. And the, the, really the sounds um, are, a, are a big part of it too, because when there's action, you know, I can't be like, and then this happens. I, if something happens and then there's a sound, you might be like, what just happened? Did somebody just get hit in the face? So writing in, writing it in a way that allows people to be like, <gasps> to be interested in what is happening and curious without having to over explain the actions. So like there, you know, there's, there's some fight elements, there's some dramatic moments, there's fire and brimstone, actually. So, you know, and making sure that, you know, when things move quickly, you know, that, that all those things are indicated in a way that is seamless and organic. So yeah, so I've been working on that, working on that today. And then today, also, uh, I was proofreading a kids, young readers chapter book that I'm turning in tomorrow. That is Batman. I, nice. I, I just I started working on two Batman Young Readers chapter books, and the the cool thing about these is that so this is ser- this is a series put out by Capstan called The Amazing Adventures of Batman. They're they're chapter books, but they're a slightly younger demographic than regular chapter books, and it's Batman teaming up with one of his uh, sort of sidekick characters or members of the Bat family, as it is known. Um, and these two that I'm working on, one of which I'm turning in tomorrow, are featuring the first time in print using the, um, in the style of the Batman animated series, Batwoman and Batwing. Oh, nice. Yeah. And which is also cool because those, uh, you know, the Batwoman TV show just got picked up. And so uh, Batwoman will be on TV. She appeared in the, the Arrow Flash crossover earlier this year, but one of the supporting cast of the Batwoman TV show is Luke Fox, who is Batwing. So it's really kind of funny, interesting timing that those two characters will be on TV next year when these books come out. And so, yeah, so I'm turning in uh, the one with Batwing tomorrow. I'm really excited just because, you know, we've seen Robin, we've seen Nightwing, we've seen Batgirl, and they're great characters, but it's there are so many other sort of Bat characters 
characters that have been introduced in the past, you know, five, 10 years that have a lot of great opportunity to, you know, we just need to be utilizing them more because there's actually way more than people think. I mean, people just sort of think of Batman and Robin, but yeah, there's like a whole fleet of Bat family members. And I feel like uh, it's time to put them in, put them in kids books. These five minute episodes go by so fast. I have one more question. Yes. You've written for Avengers, which is a Marvel originated content. Now you're writing Batman. Do you feel conflicted sometimes writing for, you know, two different uh, worlds, so to speak? Are there differences? Well, I will say this. People always ask, like, which do I like better? And I always, people sort of think that I'm equivocating when I say that I like them equally and they offer different things, but I'm really not. If they are different, they're diff- that's the reason why they can both be successful, I think, because they're, yes, they're both superhero worlds, but they're, they're different things and they're different universes. So I never find that, I've never had any conflict between them. You know, people at Marvel know that I do DC stuff, but people at DC know that I do Marvel stuff. And yeah, I've never had any conflict. I, I like them both equally. I think they both offer different things, different uh, characters and different sort of vibes. People hate that. They want people, in, in whenever I do panels, people are like, they really just want you to tell them that you like one. <laughs> they really do. Yeah. People too get, get called out where they're like, uh, like, but it's like, you can have two children and not have to, not, like one over the other because they both are different and unique flowers really good point really good point all right well thank you brandon this was a fun one and an interesting one and timeless as you wanted it to be until next time we'll catch you you later thank you as well and now back to the show all right welcome to the writer experience podcast today's guest is michael marisi michael is the author of the novels black star renegades and We Are Mayhem through St. Martin's Press. Also writer of comics, including Roche Limit, Wasted Space, Archie, and Star Wars. Uh, Michael, what's going on, man? Nothing, nothing. I'm just uh, glad to be here, glad to talk uh, some writing, and uh, just excited to do this. So my first question always is, where are you in the world right now? I know we discussed it briefly before the episode, but just recap to us, where are you and why are you there? Well, so technically, I sort of fibbed when we talked. So I, I said I was from Chicago, which is my natural instinct. So I'm, I'm a born and raised Chicagoan, uh, but I just moved out to um, a suburb just west, like the first suburb west uh, in Oak Park, Illinois. Uh, so I'm technically in Oak Park, but I still just out of instinct and longing, I still say Chicago. We interview a lot of writers from the West Coast, the East Coast. You're in the Middle Coast, uh, which is not a, which is not a coast, but it just sounded it right. Uh, yeah, tell the us the Lake Michigan coast. The Lake Michigan coast. Tell us how that affects you as a writer. So it's funny because I'm born and raised. I'm from the south side of Chicago, um, which is the part that, you know, when people come to visit, you know, tourists, that's the part that nobody goes to ever. <laughs> um, and uh, that's that's the part I'm from. And, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, lower-ish, middle class and always wanted to write and tell stories. That's always been my number one goal in life, probably my only goal in life, potentially. And I always had, you know, made my own comics, wrote my own fiction. And like a lot of people, uh, you know, pursued that in school. I, I ended up going to UIC and University of Chicago, uh, pursued writing there, went to Northwestern, got my master's there. I moved to New York briefly. Uh, and it's funny, I swear to God, this is at the time I was, you know, in my you know, mid-20s when I was just like submitting, you know, to journals still at that time and trying to get anything, you know, something. And I never got the most, like, and I mean, it's in a good way, like responses, they're all rejections. I always oh, wow. had the most responses because I think it was because I had a Brooklyn address. I'm convinced <laughs> that like I was taken more serious because like, oh, this guy's in Brooklyn. We better we better answer. Um, Interesting. But yeah, so then, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the influence for me is like I have a pretty good, you know, working class background. I think that applies to my writing. I'm, I'm a sit down at the desk right from, you know, nine till at least five every single day. So I don't believe in muses or inspiration or anything like that. I believe writing is a craft that you can learn, that you can... I don't know about master. Some people do. I don't think I ever will, but at least get better at. And um, that's kind of how I function as a writer. It's just work. It's work I love. It's work I've worked really hard to be able to, you know, do as my career. But it's still, it's at the end of the day, it's still work, still a job. And being in Chicago, is it more difficult for you to get gigs? Does it matter these days since, you know, a lot of it is through the internet? Yeah. I mean, if I lived particularly for what I do, because I'm more, even my novels are more, you know, I would say pop culture entertainment. 
they're certainly not literary fiction. Um, I tried my hand at that. I'm not very good. I wish I were better, but you know, we all kind of just go where the river takes us in a way. So if I live West, I think I would have more opportunities. You know, I'd probably be pursuing TV or film because I love, I love those mediums as well. And you really have to be there even for writing for mainstream comics, you know, DC is West now. They, they just moved like two or three years ago. Marvel is in New York still. So I think that like, you know, I'm sure you hear this a lot, you know, being there means so much. I travel a lot. I'm always at book fests or conventions or comic shops. So I try to always go as much as I can, not just for work opportunities, but just to do signings and, you know, show gratitude to shops and stuff and fans and things like that. But like, so I, I try to be out and about at least keeping my name in circulation. But if, if I were just there in New York or especially LA, I think it would be a little bit easier for sure. Tell us, um, you know, what projects you're working on now. I know you mentioned you had just released We Are Mayhem, and you said you have an announcement that you can talk about now that's Star Wars related. So I'm sorry for jumping to it, but I'm very excited. I want to hear about that. <laughs> We're going to segue into the Star Wars hour. <laughs> exactly. The Star Wars <laughs> Experience Podcast. All right. Uh, um, yeah, so it just got announced uh you know, whenever this airs, but the record it, as we were recording it yesterday was uh, May the 4th, you know, Star Wars Day. And Lucasfilm announced their slate of um, the Journey. Every, every film, these new three films, they've done the Journey 2 series. It was the Journey to you know, Rise of Skywalker. And I'm writing part of the Star Wars Adventures line, which is the all-ages comic, which is where I've, the only uh, Star Wars writing I've done, but I'm writing uh, a series in that that's like the Journey to Skywalker. I'm writing a... Uh, um, a uh, R2G2 BB8 C3PO spy team up. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and it was cool to see that you know on May the Fourth. I mean, I'm a huge, just huge, huge Star Wars fan, and uh, you know, being able to write it is is still magical. Will always be magical, but seeing it announced on like May the Fourth was pretty pretty uh, amazing. I, I could I still can't believe it. And the story you're telling goes between eight and nine. Is that kind of you're kind of like filling the gaps? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So the story, I'm not sure how the other, there was a number of stuff that was announced. Uh, I think they're all in the same timeline-ish, but like mine is basically, you know, the Resistance is a, a fledgling organization, uh, if you can even use that term at this point, post Last Jedi. And they are focusing a lot on recruitment, uh, trying to reach out to different systems and people and things like that. And part of what the, you know, the droids mission is going to be seated in recruitment and trying to find, you know, new people and make new allies. And um, I think that's going to be a big part of the, you know, between eight and nine uh, story is like the the resistance bouncing back from being pretty much decimated in the last Jedi. Um, and something I've always wondered, how do they guide or like for um, consistency's sake or continuity, I should say, what resources do they provide you to make sure you're kind of filling in the dots and not missing anything? Or, you know, obviously you're watching the previous film. You haven't seen, I assume, the new film. So like, how do you know kind of where you're telling that story and where you can go and what you can't do? Yeah, so they have, so Lucasfilm Disney has the uh, story group, which is uh, made up of like, you know, I think it's five people I, I might be getting that wrong but however many just really really uh remarkable storytellers who know uh star wars inside and out and they do a great job of finding a good balance between letting writers tell their story but also balancing out with where the what needs to happen and what can't happen so they give you the freedom you need but also give you the guidance that you require so like when i wrote my previous series was called the flight of the falcon and it was about it's basically about focusing on the falcon and kind of building it up to be the iconic presence that it is and that iconic presence not tied to a single character like it wasn't han that necessarily made it iconic or lando or, or now ray or whatever the falcon is almost bigger than that and that was the point of the series and when i went into it the story group was like okay well here's what we want to do we wanted to start post a solo film so story in there the comic series end at the end of last jedi so weave in the story, you know, as you see fit. So I pitched them, I pitched them six, there's basically six installments in there. And they were good at just saying like, okay, well, here's what you can do. Here's what works and here's what doesn't work. And, uh, but let me also, like I said, like, let me have a lot of freedom with exploring, like, hey, let me tell an Embo story for God's sakes, you know, like right. the, the bounty hunter in Clone Wars, for those who don't know. And uh, I never thought that would get through and they, were, they, they let me do it. 
Um, so they're good at, you know, shepherding stories and giving you the knowledge they need. I mean, they can only divulge so much, you know, I, I highly doubt I'll be watching Rise of Skywalker before anybody else, right, but, right. but they give you what you need and then let you tell your story the way you want to tell it. So it's, it's a good balance and harmony that you can get. How did the Star Wars relationship come about? I mean, obviously that's a, a an IP that a lot of writers would love to get involved in. How did you kind of get to a point where you're writing Star Wars comics? <laughs> begging <laughs> growling, uh, <laughs> uh, no i mean i um so i've always been pretty vocal about being a uh, star wars fan you know forever I, I have it's ingrained in my childhood as much as anything else my whole life and it's funny because black star renegades my first novel is born out of that love, love of star wars so weird story i have become friends through certain channels uh this is again like the whole thing i was saying about being places and showing up I was at a book signing once, or a comic signing. I met a uh, writer who I became friends with, uh, Dwayne Strasinski, who's a fantastic comic writer, novelist, TV writer. And he, he knew I wanted to write books, and he was like, I can introduce my editor, or my former editor at St. Martin's. He's a big comic nerd. You guys would get along great. <laughs> <laughs> and we did. So I, that's how I met this editor. Uh, Mark is his name, who's a wonderful, awesome human being and editor. And we became buddies. you know. And, and, and during that time, he was always like, pitch me. I, I'd love to hear ideas. Uh, and I did. And uh, got rejected every time. <laughs> um, and then uh, one day, and I, and I suspect, I don't really know the whole story, but I suspect that St. Martin's wanted, because Star Wars was coming back, it was shortly after the announcement of the DC, or I'm sorry, Disney's acquisition of you know Star Wars. Uh, they called me and they're like, hey, Mark was like, we want you to write, can you write a Star Wars novel? Like, write something that's like, you know, a space, fun space adventure. You love Star Wars. And that's how it happened. So I put together a pitch based on that. Uh, the pitch worked. It became, you know, Black Star Renegades and We Are Mayhem. And through that novel, kind of like, I guess, increased my Star Wars Q rating, <laughs> I guess, you know. Uh, and I met the, uh, you know, some people within Lucasfilm uh, more directly. And I was working for StarWars.com at the time, just writing, you know, just general blog articles. Oh, cool. And I remember right, meeting one of the, Mike, uh, who's the head of the uh, Lucasfilm Publishing, and he saw, like, my Star Wars tattoos, and he was like, oh, okay. This guy, this guy really means it. And uh, we, we hit it off. And it took still time after that of, you know, saying him work and us talking and everything like that. He's, he's a very, thank God, a very patient, patient man. <laughs> um, and uh, eventually this thing opened up. It was the Flight of the Falcon, which I mentioned. And uh, they were like, do you want to do this? Do you want to crack at it? And, uh, you know, I, I leapt at it. But, you know, like most things with writing, it's always a circuitous. How you get to that point is such a circuitous route for most people. And it was definitely for me, you know, it was just a combination of my passion for Star Wars. I wrote this book and, you know, also Mike from Lucasfilm had came out of DC. So he's a comics guy and he knows my work. So just all these things just kind of smashed together. And here I am. Amazing. Let's talk process real quick. You write both sure. novels and comics. Tell us what's the difference in the process of writing both of those from your perspective well, I can say that my novel process is definitely more intense. You know, I'm writing comics. So I'm writing this comic now called Waste of Space. That's like a more or less like another Star Wars series, like a space opera, but it's like, you know, a lot of swearing. And uh, um, But that is an ongoing series, although I'm pretty certain I'm capping it at 25 because I think that's as long as just the story is going to require. And I don't want to, I, I don't like, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to overstay your welcome, especially in comics. So doing it, you know, this comes out, you know, month to month. And then once you do, you know, your five issues or six issues, wherever that becomes a trade. And then there's usually like two or three months off in between when the series starts again. So it's a long process. You know, I'll be writing Wasted Space, all told, for probably like three years. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I mean, so just the 25 issues alone is two, plus the breaks, plus like the lead up to it. So it's going to be, yeah, right, a shade maybe under three years. So a lot of things happen in three years. You know, I, God willing, you know, I learn something along the way and I'm flexible with my story. And the process of that is always, the process of the story is always evolving. Like I know where the story is going and I know where it ends. And originally, I mean, for instance, originally we were going to do like 15 or 20 and I kind of discovered, oh, I, I think we need to explore, you know, this corner of the story. And then I think we need to give some attention to this character who's kind of become more important than I anticipated. So in that, in comics, you have a nice flexibility to, even in a shorter series, that's five months or five issues, let's say, you're still like kind of like you, you write your one issue, you see the art, your process is a response sometimes to the art. You know, there's things that like you see that artist does, you're like, oh, I never 
thought about a character looking that way or, or reacting that way or whatever. So the collaboration also brings out more of the evolution of the story, uh, at least a good collaboration. Novels, I'm, you know, I, I'm a plotter, you know, pantsing in novels, just like, I cannot do that. <laughs> um, so I have like a big, you know, black star I have on my wall, big, this big cork board. The cork board's got, you know, act one, act two, act three, and every chapter broken down and what happens in it on a le- number of levels. And it's very, before I set out, I still discover things along the way once you actually are like hitting the keys and making, writing the story. But I have a very clear roadmap before I even get going. Do you ever uh, encounter writer's block uh, in the process of whether it's novels or whether it's comics? Um, more so in novels, for sure. Novels are, are a lot more challenging, at least for me. Maybe because I have to know so much, maybe because I feel like to, to write a novel properly for me, or at least to, to complete that you know, daunting task, uh, like I have to know a lot. And it's, I get stuck a lot. I think I'm actually right now in, in writer's block, more or less. Like I, I've been done with We Are Mayhem uh, for some time. And I've wanted to write another novel. And I've written 10,000 to 20,000 words of a few. They're all pretty bad. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so uh, I just haven't quite, haven't quite tapped it. And um, I mean, I think that's the block. I don't, I don't know I'm ever not writing. I'm always like at least testing something out. But the block kind of comes out. Uh, it, it manifests in just not, not working, but in working that's just not good. You say you're almost always writing. Where are you writing? I'm assuming you're, you know, walking around, you're, you know, taking the train. Are you writing in a notepad? What's the, give us the nuts and bolts of the, what, it, what you're actually writing on. <laughs> um, yeah. So I do, I do a combination of both. Uh, I have a, I'm fortunate. I have a, I have a home office and I work in it most of the time, although I have to kind of just for the peace of mind, I have to get out <laughs> and leave the house. Of course. Um, so I'll walk around, you know, take walks around my neighborhood or, or I will get on the train because I, I find like for some reason motion is good. Like, I get like clarity on airplanes and cars and trains for some reason. I don't know why. It's like maybe like being in the shower is the same thing. Like you just have that right amount of distraction. So you're not directly looking at the thing. And, and I think that's the, you know, the best way for me to, to get some sort of like better perspective. But so I work in my home office. When I'm doing novels, I write out a lot. You know, I, I have notebooks. I write out like a lot of just like the fundamentals of like, here's what the story is. Here are who the characters are. Here are some fundamental questions I want to ask. You know, like, what does each character want? Uh, where, where do I want each character to end up? Where are they going to learn? How is the overall tapestry going to work? You know, what is the ultimately, you know, the Hemingway, what is the glacier of the story? Like, what is going on underneath? And that's kind of the pre-process of figuring out all those, um, the bigger questions and getting a handle on that. And then it moves to, this is still in a notebook, plotting it out, breaking it down. You have to start talking about, okay, act one, what are the different acts? What are the different beats? Uh, figuring that out, uh, the kind of the formula of it. And then it goes to the cork board where I'm breaking it down a little more generally, but just giving a bird's eye. I think if you can't get a bird's eye of the chapter or the issue for a comic, I think you're in, in trouble because I think you should be able to know broadly what's happening in, in a lot of ways, you know, character development, uh, story, uh, where it's going to begin, where it's going to end. And then once that's all done, then I finally move to the laptop. And that's where I'm mostly, uh, if I'm actually doing the process of actually writing, uh, I'm, I'm in my office, I'm at my desk, and that's where I'm definitely here, where I'm here right now, actually. Where does the uh, editor or edits fall into the equation, both for novels and for comics? At what point in that writing process, do they start getting involved and giving you notes and feedback? So I, I've been very lucky to have really good editors. Uh, so my the book I mentioned, uh, Waste of Space, is with a publisher, Bulk Comics. At better there, Adrian Wassel is um, one of the greatest editors I've ever worked with uh, and one of the greatest people. And usually I, I do a good, pretty good outline. I, I used to. Like Waste of Space, we don't outline anymore. I'm, I'm writing issue uh 12 this week at yeah, 12 so i think we're kind of beyond the outline stage like he knows i know where it's going we all we've had the bigger picture conversation so i don't outline like every for like one through ten i, I actually outlined it you know the first 10 issues so he gets in and they outline though with other stuff i'm doing with them and we work out you know the story beats we work out how just the functionality like does this work as a story is this how it beginning middle end is it satisfying is it doing the certain things that make a story give it marketability in terms of like 
good cliffhangers, uh, captivating, iconic, especially for comics, iconic imagery and iconic scenes. Like, are we satisfying these essential things that oftentimes as a writer, you're not really thinking about, and he has a better head for that than I do. Novels though, uh, at least from my experience, which was like terrifying, like the first, so with Mark, he was basically, because it was like this kind of, uh, St. Martin's uh, requisition, like we want a Star Wars novel. So they wanted it for when Star Wars is coming out, you know, not four years from now. So I had eight months to write that, which was, I felt remarkably fast. <laughs> um, and he, uh, we, we kind of worked out a broad outline, like I'm talking like two pages broad, because uh, this all happened so fast. And he was like, okay, well, you got eight months. Let me know when you're ready. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, that, yeah, that was it. That, I mean, he, he was like, if you need me, obviously I'm here, you know, like we'll talk anytime. He's shoot his work, but basically he's like, go write a book and give it to me when you're done. And that was kind of it. <laughs> and you're at a point now where you're basically, you have no shortage of work at this point for those uh, aspiring writers who want to get to that point. Was there something you did that you would suggest as far as getting your foot in the door? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, well, the thing that I'll say uh, that I think is really important besides getting your foot in the door. One thing I'll say in terms of like you mentioned, like uh, not having a shortage of work, which is true. I've been very fortunate. I've worked very hard. Uh, you know, I write a lot, a lot of different things. Uh, and, and I think the key for me from like making that transition from like a writer who has a day job to writing as a day job was uh, diversifying what I do. This industry, uh, whatever writing you want to do, like I said, I'm more entertainment, pop culture. But even if you're doing literary fiction, if you're doing straight up fantasy. Uh, romance, whatever. It's very hard. It's very hard, no matter what channel you're going, you know, traveling down, wherever the journey of a writer is, to make it professionally is remarkably difficult, just out of the bare finances of it. So, you know, we want to have this idea. We want to have, you know, we want to have a pool. You know, a pool is our career. We want it, we, in our heads, we want to have one giant hose filling that pool, you know? Like, I write novels, and the novel hose fills my pool. But what's probably more realistic, at least I think was definitely more realistic, is like many hoses filling your pool. You know, like I, I do comics and I write novels and I also write video games. And then I do, you know, other stuff. I teach here and there, uh, a story, you know, story workshops. Um, I do speaking engagements, stuff like that. And I do a lot of different things that bring in income. And everybody, most people that I know, I think everybody I know is doing that in one form or another. Even if you're just writing comics, you know, friends of mine who write comics will write like, Marvel, you know, superhero comics, but they also write their own comics at the same time and right. are doing something else. So just doing one thing, it's it'd be great, but it's just not real unless you're like, you know, Brian Sanderson or Stephen King. You know, like it's it's really hard to make a right a career doing just that. In terms of getting your foot in the door, you know, it's like we were saying earlier. It's 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 just about showing up. It's just about going and being places. You know, constantly doing the work, constantly putting the work in front of wherever it needs to go, wherever your work is, you know, being at BookFest, being at, you know, uh, comic conventions, being at uh, bookstores and meeting writers and meeting people in the community and like opportunities I've found, like I said, you know, all the opportunities I've had have come from, you know, you don't want to say meeting people because that sucks. You know, it's hard. It's hard to be like, yeah, you just got to meet people and hope somebody opens the door for you. But it sort of is. But I think people are willing to open the door for people who see that you're around. They see that you're serious about this. Like I, I have done it a number of times myself. Like I've seen like this person is invested. They're good. They're invested. They clearly want to do this. So I'm comfortable being like, hey, I will introduce you to this editor. I will introduce you to here. I can, to, you know, I've introduced people, my agent, whatever. And because I see the dedication that is essential is there and you do that, you know, it's not just nepotism. It's also confidence of the community. Like, okay, I believe this person's got what it takes, has that drive, has the passion and is good. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy putting them in front of people because they can handle it. The Flickering Myth Podcast is a source for all of the weekly entertainment news that we could possibly be bothered to talk about. Tune in every Tuesday for a roundtable discussion featuring a host of Flickering Myth writers and contributors. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers as well as right here at flickeringmyth.com, part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Alan Christian. I'm Gerald James. And I'm Lacey Day. And we host the Four Color Film Podcast. What do we do at the Four Color Film Podcast, Gerald? We watch and dissect every comic book-based film. Lacey, do you still like being here? 
Yeah, it's really great. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and wherever else they have good podcasts and podcasts like these. You sound like a kidnapping victim. You can find us also on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network at flickeringmyth.com along with other great shows. Check us out and check them out too. Thank you. Hell Zane. Hell Zane. Hell Zane. Is there one thing aspiring writers should not do? You know, there's a flip side. There's an ugly flip side to that as well. And it's to to, just to be too aggressive. You know, this takes a lot of time. You know, I published my first comic uh, in 2006 and I quit my job, my full-time job in 2016. So I was 10 years. I was publishing comics regularly. It takes time. It takes time to get good. It takes time to, to, to get noticed. And I think what the mistake that I see, there's nothing that can torpedo you faster and just is being too aggressive, especially with editors. Like, don't Facebook message an editor. You know, if you don't have their email, you don't have a contact, like a real connection, a real sort of contact where they, you can email them and they know who you are. If they're not like taking unsolicited submissions, don't act in an unprofessional way because they'll remember that and they'll never look at you again. Or you're always that person that like, oh, this person hounds me on Facebook message or oh, this person like DMs me. I don't, I don't ugh. you know, and, and that it's just such a, it's such, it makes you look really bad again like i was saying like you want to see people who are prepared to do the work you know this is an intimate work especially books and comics you know you're you're doing if you're doing a comic you're working with the same editor every single month for however many months and hopefully with another book so you have a relationship books you have a relationship with your editor these editors are overworked overtaxed uh and they don't have time to work with people who are a pain in their butt and who don't know how to behave. So you have to also show that you're not going to be someone that they just don't want to work with. And that's a big part of it. So in other words, just be cool, man. Be cool. (laughs) Just be cool, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, let's move on to some uh, non-process related questions. These are always uh, a little more fun. Uh, Are you down for that? Yeah, totally. Of course. All right. So I'm just going to throw these at you. Say whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Comfort foods. Do you have any? Writers sometimes need these things to get through the day, to get through the writing process. It's disgusting, but it's Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'll probably have that today. That's great. <laughs> um, awesome. Next question. If you could suggest a question that we ask to one of our next guests, that question I just asked was from uh, Alan Dean Foster, actually. What would you ask, or what would you suggest that we ask? So to ask an author? Yeah, author, comic uh, art, comic writer. Hmm, okay, let me think about this. I, I would ask, I would ask what they're reading. I find so many, especially in comics, you often find the answer like, what are you reading? And people are like, oh, well, I work, I don't read anything right now. Like, I don't, I, like, you should be reading. <laughs> you should be reading everything whatever field you're in, you should be like at at least some sort of like high literacy of like what's going on and what other people are doing around you. You know, you should know your peers. Love it. On that note, what you said you you should always read, what is your number one book suggestion or comic suggestion for our listeners? Hmm. Well, oh, this can go in a lot of ways because if I'm looking at like books and we're talking about Star Wars, I mean, I always go to, so if we're talking like the new canon, I've pushed this book on so many people. Uh, Claudia Gray wrote this new canon book, Lost Star. She's she's written a number, but that one, dear God, was that good? Like, she's up there, and this might be blasphemy. Forgive me if every if this upsets anyone, but she's up there with Timothy Zahn as like the Star Wars writer, in my opinion. She's excellent. I uh, love it. All right, so we're talking Star Wars. What's your one piece of Star Wars? Uh, non-book like a a movie or tv show is there an episode or a movie that you would say stands out to you as your favorite or the most memorable oh um yeah i think that season the end of season two of rebels are are we this we're talking about star wars yes okay good so yeah the end of season two of uh, rebels is one of just in general the, the animated show is one of my favorite star wars stories start to finish that there ever 
ever has been in, in canon novels, non-canon novels, movies. I think Rebels is everything that Star Wars is best at and should be. It's wonderful. But the end of that season where so many things culminate that, like, you know, the showrunner that uh, Dave Filoni had been weaving through, like, Clone Wars through the beginning of Rebels. And, wow, this powerful storytelling, he nailed it. And that's one of my favorite Star Wars moments. I don't want to say it because no one's seen it. I don't want to spoil it because it's so cool. <laughs> but uh, it's the last, yeah, the, the last hour of Rebels is out of this world. What's a TV show that you're watching right now that's inspiring you from a writing perspective? Uh, let's see. Oh God! Somehow I missed. There's two. Uh, I'll mention two. Uh, really, uh, marvelous Miss Maisel, uh, which is wonderful and so smart and so hilarious. Uh, but I don't. I don't pull much from it other than just to watch it and be like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the acknowledgement of how perfect it is. But um, I never watched. Somehow I didn't missed Rick and Morty. And I'm watching it now. I'm almost done. I'm almost caught up. And I can't believe how good it is. I can't believe how funny and sad and human. It's brilliant. And, yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I don't. I. I nobody told me. I. I know. Like, and I love cartoons. Like, you know, BoJack Horseman is one of my favorite. I mean, just a show about a anthropomorphic horse. That's about how difficult it is to achieve happiness. <laughs> um, and uh, Rick and Morty is just. I can't. I just cannot believe how good that is. If you could be any of your characters, uh, who would you choose? And why? Oh, I would choose uh, from Black Star Renegades and We Are Mayhem, uh, Kira. Um, she is uh, a, a lot of ways everything I wish I was. She's just so bold and fearless and smart. And uh, she's just uh, confident. You know, <laughs> I remember somebody tweeting, you know, like uh, it was a Spider Man joke, but like, I wish I can get. Uh, bitten by a radioactive confidence spider, <laughs> and uh, you know, like I feel like confidence is always everybody struggles with that. But she's, uh, I love writing her. Like in the first uh, book, she was she was one of the main characters, but I loved her so much. She actually, became uh, the kind of co POV. Like this, the chapters uh, uh, flip between her and another character, and uh, she's she's my favorite. If you could take any writer, living or dead, to any fast food restaurant, which writer, which restaurant, and why? I would take uh, I would take Stephen King, and I would take him to ooh, where would we go? This is tough. I love fast food so much. Uh, <laughs> Not everybody answers that way. A lot of people don't like it. That's why we oh, <laughs> throw no. it in there. No, no, you found the right guy. <laughs> no, I'm stumped because I, I for too many options. I pro I would probably go to Culver's. I love Culver's. You know, it's a good you know. They give you have that extra uh, layer of, of a good ice cream at the end. So I would take him to I take him to Culver's. And I just want to know I just want to know how. Like I went to a quick story. I like two years ago I went to a Stephen King reading and I was there. It was, it was totally sold out. The bookstore had it, it, just a huge gymnasium sold out. And the bookstore all week was like, don't come. Nobody come. Don't if you don't have tickets, don't come. There's not gonna be anything available. So everybody who's there had their ticket. I was there almost two hours before the doors were supposed to open. The line was like down the block, through the parking lot, down the block, through this like residential area. <laughs> like, and it was just like every single demographic, old, young, every, every demographic, just his demographic, just everybody. And I would just want to be like, how, how did you do it? <laughs> like, do you know? <laughs> like, cause it's, it's, it's magical. It's, it's amazing. And, and, and I love it. I'm a huge Stephen King fan and I just want to know, talk about his work as well, but I just don't know how, uh, how he accomplished this. So it sounds like uh, Stephen King's life is pretty glamorous. Is the life uh, of an average, <laughs> I shouldn't say average, is the life of a, of any other writer glamorous in general? Um, I mean, yes and no, you know, like, I mean, yes, in the sense that like, if you're doing this, like you professionally, you're doing what you love, you know, like it, it can be frustrating at times and challenging. Cause like, you're always kind of in one way or another hustling, you know, if your book is coming out, then you have to work really hard to get that to, you know, position it to be a success. Same thing with comics. If you don't have something coming out, you're trying, you're like banging your head against the wall to like figure out what is next, you know? So you're always kind of like, you're, you're a hummingbird more or less. You're just always moving, not necessarily going anywhere, but so it can be frustrating, but it's also like, 
you get to tell stories for a living. You know, I can't imagine anybody who's doing this didn't want to do it for a long time to, to you know, put in the you know, requisite work to get here. So there's something glamorous about that. You achieved a goal. Like, that's pretty remarkable. And, um, you know, we're, we're, I consider myself lucky and fortunate all the time. And I, I'm glad to be able to do this. And uh, it's, like I said, it's, it can be a pain. It can drive you nuts. But it's also pretty great at the same time. What's one thing about you or your career that nobody knows? Hmm. One thing about me or my career nobody knows. Uh, let's see. What's weird, I couldn't – so there was this period um, I couldn't read for a while, and it was misery. I was um, – when I was in high school, I, I stupidly went and uh, played paintball in a forest, not like a, even regulation paintball, just like a bunch of dumb guys, myself included. I uh, went to go play paintball, and I, I couldn't breathe. I had this big mask. I never played paintball again. I'm not this kind of, you know, this is just not me. I couldn't breathe in this mask. I took off the stupid mask and literally got shot in the eye. Like, at the moment, you know, I got, took off this mask from, like, 30 yards away. Like, this, like, basically a sniper, a military sniper shot. Oh, wow. Um, and, and, I, and I went blind. I went blind in my left eye. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was crazy. I had a, a number of surgeries to restore my vision but i like really couldn't read for you know they had to wait for like the trauma to kind of like heal as best as could and that was like a a, a year and then it was like one surgery and then it was another surgery so it was like i couldn't I, it was it was painful to read and it was difficult to read and you take for granted like the two eyes you know still doing with one eye it was, it was okay but like the other eye was such a blurry mess it was hard to like it was hard to focus it was hard to read and i was so just i didn't care so much about like, anything else other than like jesus i can't read <laughs> like, <All right. laughs> so yeah that's that's uh, a little a little tidbit that's i went crazy. blind because i paid paintball for like five minutes but you didn't let it you know hold you back <laughs> no well I, I did let hold me back from paintball i never went back <laughs> that was that was the beginning probably a wise choice probably a wise choice um so <laughs> yeah. we usually ask uh, our guests to plug a project. I realize we haven't talked about We Are Mayhem. Can you tell us about that? St. Martin's Press. We're, sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's oh, talk sorry, about it a little bit. I know we didn't cover it in the beginning. I know we jumped right to Star Wars, so let's. Uh, <laughs> I would love for you to talk about it a little bit. Yeah, it's basically Star Wars, so it's, <laughs> we kind of did cover it. Um, but um, no, so that's um, the second book of the Black Star Renegades uh, series. And Basically, the Black Star Renegade series is, uh, like I said, it's a Star Wars-inspired book, this big, fun space adventure uh, where there's this group of renegades uh, led by Kira, uh, who is uh, like an ace you know, pilot who's also goes by her own drum and is a rebel in her, her herself. Uh, then there's Cade, is this guy who, uh, he's more or less the other guy, and he gets in possession of this very powerful mythical galactic weapon, sort of like a like a little bit of an Arthurian uh, uh, inspiration, and he's the wrong person to have it. He doesn't necessarily want it, but he has to use it and figure out how to use it in order to uh, fight back against the galaxy's ruling power. So him and Cade and a couple other outcasts join together to stage a rebellion. And then We Are Mayhem is the uh, you know they start a war in the first book, and the second book is the same characters, the same fun adventure, but now in the context of like, okay, we start a war. Uh, now we have to deal with this. And is there a third book? Will it be a trilogy? Uh, that's a good question. I hope so. I hope there's more books in this universe. Uh, we're kind of dependent on on success. Uh, the book actually, you know, knock on wood, has been doing well. Uh, we just don't know with the sequel, is it well enough to warrant a third? Maybe. If, if the opportunity presented itself, I would love to write more. Like, you know, I would definitely go the Star Wars route, potentially, and, and it'll write some prequels. Uh, some like standalone, like the anthology stories. Uh, I think it's a big universe and there's stuff, tons of stuff that I would love to do and want to do, but you know, uh, it all comes down to, does it make money for the powers that be? What were the biggest, uh, challenges writing a star Wars inspired sci-fi book? Was it the world building? Tell us like, what was the hardest part of that? Well, I think the hardest part for me personally was like telling a star Wars story, but like as much as I rest and embrace that, I also like, like want to tell my own story as well. So it was hard to be like, okay, how do I take, you know, the construct of what a Star Wars story essentially is? And, and there's a lot of answers to that question, but fundamentally, what is a Star Wars story? 
but also like make it interesting enough to me where it's a story that I want to tell. And it took a couple drafts actually to like really, you know, I had the story. The first draft was like, like, wow, is this Star Wars? <laughs> um, and uh, subsequent drafts became more and more about something else. You know, it's more of a deconstruction of the um, uh, Messiah complex, which I, I find uh, a, a troubling thing, uh, you know, art and culture. So I discovered that along the way, like of like finding the right story. I think it's hard for not just I know my example is really specific, but for writers in general, it's like finding your point of view. You know, we always say like uh, your your voice as a writer, and it's sort of the same thing. But it's also about like the story that you want to tell. We're we're inspired by a million things. You know, it could be Star Wars, it could be what's happening in the news, it could be anything really. Um, and it's the process. You can have a good story idea, but I think the challenging thing that I always run into it's like, okay, this is a cool idea, and there's cool things that can happen, but ultimately what makes this my story and nobody else's story and what is it about that i can lend that makes it my point of view and discovering that point of view for yourself uh, as a person through your identity but also through this specific story and um the stakes were a little higher because it was so such a specific thing you know it was specifically star wars um so it's a little bit harder to break out of that mold but this is something i encounter in and basically almost all of my work, like, what am I trying to do here? And how am I the person to do that? You said you hoped to make this even more like Star Wars, make it a trilogy, maybe tell some prequel stories. There's a lot of sci-fi writers out there. And I think a dream for everyone would be to get the books made into movies. But we've also heard that it's incredibly difficult to get a sci-fi original uh, IP uh, made into a TV show or a movie these days, just based on the fact that you know, if they haven't heard of it or so, or so to speak, or it's from a new uh, writer, it's harder to know they're going to get their money back. So tell us, do you want to do that? And if so, how do you do it? Yeah, I mean, everything you said is true. It is very, very difficult because uh, it's expensive. You know, if you want to make Black Star Rangates, that's a lot of money. That's a big budget film. You know, you look at like, if I can think of like sci-fi stuff that's been made, I mean, the only thing I can really think of is The Expanse. And The Expanse, what really put that, I mean, it's a great series, but what put it over the top really was that it's so remarkably successful. So it had at least some sort of like big audience that, you know, whatever studio or network was getting behind it would say, okay, well, people know what this is. So hopefully we can bring in enough readers and also enough viewers, you know, that, that helps a lot. But yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see it happen. Uh, I think it's just... You know, I've been down the road before a few times with, you know, com you know, comics I've worked on that have like flirted with that possibility or gone down the road of being an option and then being, you know, Roche Limit, in fact, got to like basically the one yard line of like we had showrunner. Uh, uh, oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. He was uh, Will Pasco, who's uh, one of the producers on uh, uh, Orphan Black uh, and a writer there. He was showrunning it. Uh, he had written the first uh, episode and it was it was fantastic. And um, it got down to like, really, like everybody, there's like the two coasts for sci-fi for uh, Universal. And basically, the West Coast are like the creative, and then the East Coast is like the cutting the checks. And the West Coast, we got cleared every hurdle, got through sci-fi, got through Universal, got through all these different things. We were good. We were like locked in. They're like, okay, we're just going to kick it up to New York and see if this is it. If they say yes, then it's happening. Uh, and they said no. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, that was painful. That was so sad. I, I, I had high hopes, but, um, you know, it's such a lottery pick. It's such a, there's so much that you, you know, nothing you control of it. You know, I like to see it. I'd love to see it happen. I'd love to see my work, some, something of my work turn into a TV or animated or movie, anything, you know, but, um, you know, it's remarkably difficult. There's, there's plenty of great books uh in in any genre that haven't been made and sci-fi is just tough it's tough to bite that off it's tough to tell that story right i mean even if you are insanely popular i mentioned brand sanderson before who's a huge fan of he has a rabid following of dedicated readers and he's never had anything made who knows if he will you know those are tough stories to tell in, in, in a different medium so yeah yeah I, I the best i can say is like i hope one day and you never know but um Unfortunately, there's nothing you can really do to influence it. Um, as far as Endgame, would you ever want to be a TV writer? Would you ever want to go in that direction? That obviously would result in you seeing your words up on the screen. Would you be, are you interested in that? 
Uh, yeah, I, I, yes, I've always been interested in it. I think the one, I mean, the really the big hurdle for me, uh, I mean, not that I can, if I <laughs> strut into LA, like people would just be throwing me TV jobs, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the big hurdle would be going to LA. Uh, I, I have, you know, I have kids and a house and family here in Chicago. Like I said, I'm born and raised, so everybody's here. Same with my wife. Um, so that kind of change would be remarkably difficult. And you really can't. There, there are some people who do make TV writing work. Very, very rare if you're not in L.A. or at least New York. But I think it would be great. I mean, I, I, there's so much TV I love. I mean, TV is producing some of the best stories that we have right now. And uh, to work there, and I have two friends who work in it who are happy and just doing really cool stuff. And the pay is awesome because the union. <laughs> and, um, you know, so that's it's it would be great. But it's also um, as a writer, I think you have to figure out what makes you what makes you happiest, you know, where and a lot of that has to do with like where you are in life. You know, can you move, can you see yourself being happy living in L.A. and doing that work? And it's it's not easy. That's a whole nother thing to make in LA. Or you're happy just being home and being able to be like, okay, I can write novels. And I, you know, we all love a lot of different things. You don't have to be feckless about the medium you choose. But like, you know, there's something you said about the, if you are satisfied staying home and you don't have to travel that much and don't have to be in the grind and just can work in your office. And that's something that's nice too. Last question. Yes, Harry, please pass me the envelope. <laughs> I'm, I'm opening it right now. Did you have fun today? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of fun today. This has been great. <laughs> um, amazing. Well, we we did too. Um, I think that's it. Did you want to shout out your any sort of handle or where people can find you? Oh, yeah. yeah no, pretty easy. And just at, at Michael Maurice on Twitter, Instagram is the same thing. Um, our website, Michael P. Maurice, because somebody's parked on michaelmaurice.com for some reason. Um, and that so happens. Yeah, yeah. They they wanted like two thousand dollars. Like, ugh, get it? <laughs> Not worth it. Not worth it. Um, cool, man. Well, thank you again. Uh, congrats on all the exciting uh, news and your successes and everything. And we are excited to see what happens with the comics. Oh, well, thank you so much, and thanks for having me. This has been. Truly a blast. I'm, I'm delighted to have done this. Likewise. Uh, thank you again, and thank you to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.